you recall the last words that uh, Jesus spoke before his ascension to heaven? Uh, they're recorded in Acts uh, 1, verse 8. Uh, Acts continues uh, from the Gospel of Luke, written, this is also written by, uh, by Luke. Uh, this is uh, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and then a number of days, and Jesus ascended. So the last thing he said before ascending to heaven uh, is recorded in Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, and I'm sitting here in the lobby, uh, Blossom Valley Bible Church. Good to talk to you uh, on camera. Uh, you see the sign we made for last year's missions conference. Uh, these are uh, areas where we have missions missionaries uh, in the world, Blossom Valley Bible Church reaching out, and there's other areas. Um, this, this passage is so important. And of course, the locations, he says, you'll be my witnesses. They start local in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, move farther away into the whole world. And uh, they were for much more than just for, uh, the ones he spoke to, but recorded, uh, for us. Missions or, or global outreach is not uh, a program that we do at this church. It's really something fundamental to Christianity. It's hard to imagine a Christianity that doesn't witness to Christ in one way or another, or in many ways, both collectively as a group, but, but individually, uh, by uh, so many ways of communicating, uh, often by prayer, uh, money support, all these things, uh, going as a missionary, helping to send others as a missionary. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, thing that we're involved in, and it's wonderful, and it's, of course, the work of God. You'll notice the Spirit in this, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Uh, in Acts, that happens in the next chapter. Uh, the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost. And, uh, well, I want to teach, but I'm not going to teach. I'm here basically not to tell you about missions. You know about missions somewhat, but to introduce a video by uh, our friend Tom Randall. He doesn't need an introduction. He's probably the best known of our missionaries. He's spoken here a number of times. Uh, he's, he's truly loved. Uh, he's real good. Don't tell him I said so, but he's like real, real good. Uh, you know that. Um, and you've heard him, I'm sure, talking uh, to the church many times. Uh, one of the privileges I've had being a, a member of the missions committee, the, the global outreach team we also, also call, is not just hearing him in church, but also being in uh, small groups, talking with them, uh, sitting around a dining room table uh, with others on the committee and, and, and other missionaries and with Tom there and just talking and, and letting him doing most of the talking. Uh, his heart, his mind, his spirit uh, is, is really something. And you're fortunate you're going to see Tom Randall uh, on this video. Uh, not Tom in church, not Tom to the group, just kind of sitting there right now during our, our time of coronavirus. Uh, he's at home and he's talking to the camera. Uh, not a not a message, not a planned sermon. This is uh, this is quite good. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, one last word. Um, I've sat in front of the camera a number of times these months now. We're not meeting in church, trying to still communicate with the church. And I've often thought, and, I, and I've said several times, the frustration of I'm talking to a camera. When can we do this in person? And I still feel like that in general. But now for this video that Tom has recorded, it's so good. Um, I saw it this morning. It's so good. I'm glad it's on video 
because you don't want it just one time. You hear a message, you leave church, and already you're forgetting and so forth. Uh, with video, uh, it, it's something permanent. Uh, this will be good for a long time. It's, uh, there's no title to it. I might call it kind of a perspective on these times, uh, a perspective on Tom's life right now. And, of course, he's unique and everything. But uh, it's good that this is on video. Um, I hope this first part of the introduction doesn't take away. It won't take away. It's going to be, it's really, you're going to enjoy this. I'll be quiet. You'll enjoy this, uh, Blossom Valley Bible Church and anyone else that's listening. Uh, Tom Randall, a tremendous man of God, a friend of ours for years and years, and uh, we thank the Lord for him. So bless you and uh, enjoy this. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Randall, your missionary from Blossom Valley for now my 45th year. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for that. We appreciate you praying for us, training us, sending us out, encouraging us, financially supporting us uh, for all of these years to the different countries, especially the Philippines that we've ministered in. Um, I also want to say I'm sorry that the conference cannot go on. I, these circumstances with the COVID-19 pandemic have made it impossible for us to be there personally and meet you face to face. So. I'm going to be doing this video, and this is my first time to do a, speak to people who I wasn't in the room with them, so be patient with me. I'm also sorry for any of you that have experienced loss uh, during this uh, pandemic of friends, acquaintances, family, relatives. I'm so sorry. This is a difficult time of pain and suffering for a lot of people. This pandemic is an experience of loss, from the smallest loss of convenience to the larger loss of life and all in between. It takes away from our freedom of movement. Um, it crushes our economy. Business activity is, is um, ended for a while. Jobs are lost. Checks are not coming in. Educational systems are shut down. And most serious of all, I think, is face-to-face -face relations are gone. People are isolated. My mom is a good example, Karen's mom. She's 94. She's the last of our living parents, and she's in an assisted living home. And We have not seen her in six and a half months, and I can see it's killing Karen, and it's killing her mom. And then me watching it, it just puts you in tears. And these are some of the things that are happening because of this isolation. You know, the CDC put out a statement, and it said the biggest contributor to depression and anxiety and suicides is isolation. I might call that severe social distancing. They're close cousin, cousin, social distancing and isolation. Because when it's uh, in the form that we've had severe lockdowns and nobody going out or not interact with people, especially people in nursing homes, that can be a shocking thing for anybody and cause lots of fear and anxiety. So, But when a pandemic locks people and isolates them, it takes their security and comfort and possibly takes their lives. And that will cause stress and fear. Um, and, and it's highly probable they'll experience these things at some level. Uh, the difference of levels is important, I think. Um, and, and many years ago, I was in Pampanga playing on a basketball team in the Philippines out in the provinces. It was a professional team. And I was playing with these non-Christian professionals giving an exhibition for the government and for the professional league. And uh, I had just done my halftime show and there was an ambush. Um, and it was the terrorist, it was the extremist um, that terrorized in a lot of different countries, but they were also in the Philippines. And they attacked and ambushed everybody there, the players, the people, the 
fans, and there were thousands of people around. And then the people, local people, got their home defense league sprung into action. They had their guns, so they fought back, and we ran for cover. And I remember running into a corner, and not long after, four of the basketball players ran in there and got in that corner with me in a little cement corner in a little building for safety from the bullets and, and the bombs that were going off. It was awful. <laughs> and then uh, later on, they said after they run them off into the hills, they said we would be going out by boat instead of by where we came in, by jeep, uh, because the terrorists knew our way out and could possibly wait in an ambush again. So they took us out by a river, then to the ocean, and then someone picked us up and took us back up to Manila to safety. And I remember getting in the boat, and I got in with Emer Legaspi. He was a fine Filipino all-star basketball player. And he looked over at me, and he looked at me, and it was dark, and we were going quietly through this river, and he said, Tomas, taco naco. <laughs> and I said, yes, uh, I'm also scared. He said he was very scared. I said, yes, I'm also scared, Emmer. And he said, no, Tomas, ikaw ibang taco talaga. He said, you are much different afraid than I am. It's a different fear. And I laughed and I looked at him. I said, yeah, it is, isn't it? And I shared again my faith with him and I led Emmerton Lagaspi to Christ in that boat that night and I'll never forget that whole principle of the fear levels we experience fear as Christians we experience anxieties these things bother us too but not at the same level if you don't know Christ because of my relationship with Christ the preciousness of that relationship I can experience things at a level that are sustainable because of my hope and future in him. Without that though, it can be overwhelming. Is the coronavirus a setback for world missions? You know, from my personal experience as a missionary, I doubt it. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9, one reason uh, that God may expose us to losses and suffering is to, to rouse us to rely on him, to, to push us into his arms, to depend on him more. It says in 2 Corinthians here, I'll read it. It says, uh, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we wrote, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's awesome, isn't it? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we set our hope. I think there's a good illustration. New Testament, now we need to be dependent on God. He's still sovereign. It hasn't changed because of a virus, um, especially for missions. Um God's, God's ways often include setbacks that revol result in God's advances, uh, his great advances. Uh, China is a good example. I've visited many times to China. Uh, I helped the underground church. It was a, a spiritual growth experience for me because of the commitment that I saw from the threatened Chinese, the, their lives at danger for living out their faith. And one of the things I learned was that uh, during the Cultural Revolution in Mao Zedong, Ghana 4, when they were just lives were being killed, murdered, they would eliminate everybody, people that were opposition, any leaders, um, 
anybody that felt threatened by it. And the rest of them that they felt they needed to, they would put them in re-education camps. And they put scholars, businessmen, prominent leaders, artists, poets, sportsmen, they even put pastors and Christians into these re-education camps because they did they needed them to be re-educated to communism and away from the other things that they depended on or that rep- they represented them, important to them. The Christians especially, because they needed them not to be relying on their faith. So they went into these re-education camps. They had one in the north of China, one in the south of China. <laughs> the mistake they made was instead of re-educating them to communism, they put those Christians and pastors in those re-education camps with all of those leaders, um, prominent people. And when they came out and they went back and were scattered around China, they were now able to share the gospel that they had heard and won, uh, been won to Christ by these missionaries and pastors and Christians in the, the re-education camps. And so China exploded spiritually. Instead of contracting, they exploded because God scattered and used his people. I think it's a good illustration for now because um, it even says in Acts, let me read that to you, that's a wonderful verse. It says in Acts 8, verse 1, And Saul approved of the execution, uh, this is of Stephen, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the, the regions of Judah and Samaria except the apostles. So, God scattered, allowed the people to be scattered. Remember when Acts 1, he told the disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the gift came of the Holy Spirit. But they remained in Jerusalem even after that. He wanted them to go out and share the gospel, and they stayed in Jerusalem. So, what he had, he had persecution allowed it, I think, so that they scattered the believers scattered to other places where it was safer and in that process missions they spread the gospel we often don't understand i think the ways of god i know that i don't but i do understand missions and i do understand that no matter what the conditions or the circumstances um we are allowed to share christ and can in any circumstance plus if we can be innovative about it this is innovation that um Patton, uh, Ken allowed me to do this video for you. Um, I can't be there. I don't speak to people usually in the very first time to do this, but I'll do it if it's if it's innovative enough to reach people, encourage people, win people. Um, when I was in cell block one, as many of you know, when I was imprisoned in the Philippines, it was, it was one of the most horrific things in my life. It was a life-changing experience. It was difficult. It was scary. Uh, there were 85 men in two cell blocks, 12 countries, 12 languages, no room, everybody shoulder to shoulder, overheated, 90 degrees, no air conditioners, sickness, violence, fights, a lot of death. There was fear and anxiety. That doesn't settle for anybody. <laughs> you know, I, I can understand why people are upset during this coronavirus because it, it gives you those kind of feelings of hopelessness and sadness and anxiety and fear. But during that time, all those people from all those different countries and different places, 11 of them came to Christ. I was able to share and win 11 of them to Christ because the atmosphere for spiritual input was so great. The hunger was so great. The searching and the desperation was so great that men came to Christ. 
And now I wonder where those 11 men, they've gone back to their countries, maybe they're in prisons there, or they've been deported back there, or maybe they've been freed at some point. But I do know they know the Lord, and that's a big difference in when they came in there. And I know I wouldn't have ever reached them outside of that prison. So I, I have to honestly say at that time, God was better served by my presence in prison than if I were actually free. And it takes me a st stretch to do that, but it's trusting the sovereignty of God. And I can tell you, as fearful and as anxious and worrisome as it was in those prison, that prison, I never felt the peace beyond that that God gave me, that he had his arms wrapped around me, and I feel that same peace now. In fact, guys ask me when I go out and speak now, Tom, aren't you afraid of, at your age, of catching the virus? And I thought, I really hadn't thought about that. It really hasn't um, bothered me. I said, can I tell you why? And I just tell them a couple stories about the Philippines and why this is not as fearful to me as that was, because God trained me in that situation that he is sovereign in all situations. Um, I don't want to be reckless, but I don't want to live in fear either. So um, the way God scattered me here in Orlando, in Central Florida, he brought Karen and I here in February. This is our new home, our new base of ministry. And uh, we can go out from here wherever we want in the world, in, in Florida. And then the virus hit, everybody was shut in. No businesses, no movies, no church, no, no get-togethers, no gatherings, except one place, the golf course. All the golf courses in Florida remained open. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, uh, open my mind and heart to doing it. Not just sit here at home. I'm not a guy that can be sit home and locked. That was the worst thing about prison was like my freedom taken away and I was in one place and couldn't move around. And, they, he, and I felt the Lord give me this word. He said, Tom, just say yes. So I said, well, if the, if the Lord wants me to say yes, I'll just say yes to anything. And soon the phone calls came. It wasn't a week into the virus and the shutdowns when a pro golfer called me. He said, Tom, we're having a hard time. I said, man, what can I do for you? Can I help you? Talk to me. And he said, no, we want you to come down and meet us. I said, sure, where? They said, the golf course at Disney. I said, mate, the golf course at Disney's closed. I mean, everything's closed. They just furloughed 45,000 people at Disney. He said, yeah, I know, Tom, they did. But one thing they left open was the golf courses. He said, in fact, Tom, the golf courses in Florida have not shut down. We're still playing at different courses. The problem is we don't have any tournaments. We don't have any um, prize money. No, we're not making any money. And so, could you come down and speak to the guys at least and play around the golf with us? I said, love to. So I went down, ended up speaking to them, some of the staff at Disney. They prayed with a couple guys. They became my, uh, what do you call it, partners in ministry. They said, we got another golf course we can take you to and speak to some other guys. And then that one led to another guys. And that one led to another golf course with another group of men. And it turned out to be 30-some golf courses over the last six and a half months. Many of those golf courses I've returned to speak to different groups at the same golf course. My point being is God scattered me. He got these people together and scattered me to them. Go to them, Tom. Just say yes. And so when I get a call, I say yes. Sometimes it's twice a week. Sometimes it's four times a week. Another thing happened just recently. I was asked to go to Alabama and speak at a bike race, a bike ride. Um, and I said, 
sure, do I get to speak it? I said, yeah, you get to speak to um, these men. They're not believers, Tom, but uh, I am, and I want you to speak to them. I said, I'll come. So I drove 13 hours, six and a half hours one way, six and a half hours back. Some would say that's not a good use of your time, money, gas, but I told the Lord I'd say yes. So I said yes, and I went. And I sat before these men, and I shared stories in my life and what God has done and what he can do for them. And then I got on a bike, and I rode with them for 62 miles over the hills, 4,000 feet of climbing. It was, it was a little bit beyond me um, for a ride that's easier. It was hard. And I stayed with them for about 30 miles and talked with them and shared with them. But after about 30 miles, it got competitive. And the younger guys, they were all younger than me, all these guys. They, they started going too fast for me. I couldn't go up the hills like they could. I couldn't just go that fast. So I was the last one in. <laughs> Way late. I came in. I sat down. They waited for me. I talked to him for another hour and a half. Common ground is a wonderful thing, whether it be golf, basketball, biking, whatever it is. I try to say yes, and I think we, as a mission church and a world mission outreach, we need to say yes whenever we get the opportunity and not be completely hindered or frightened by the circumstances around us. Be wise. Be safe. Don't break laws. But please don't be sheltered in so much and isolated that the anxiety and the fear and, and anger, frustration and the different things that can build up in you, overcome you and don't let you live out the Christian life. Remember, we are Christians and we are different afraid. We're not as, we are not as overwhelmed as all these things that life hits us with. We experience them, but they don't overwhelm us the same, do they? May God bless you and thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Um, and thank you for uh, your church. It's been such an encouragement to me all these years. I hope I was an encouragement to you today. God bless you. Stronger, got you a high.